peace yet again. Who is it in the press that calls on me? I hear a voice shriller than all the music. Cry Caesar. What man is that? A soothsayer bids you beware the Ides of March. Set him before me. Let me see his face. Fellow, come from the throng. Look upon Caesar. What man is that? A soothsayer. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Soothsayer. Today is Wednesday, June 3rd, 2020. There's been a lot happening this last week uh, in regards to... Uh, protests and the Black Lives Matter movement, I, without hesitation, uh, state that I I stand with that. Um, But it's not about me. Today's episode is not about me free-forming. It's not about my morning pages. What I would like to do is take the next few um, episodes and probably more, um, but I want to break down some things that I've found while researching how I can better participate and be a positive ally in this movement um, for change and justice and racial equity and equality. Um, you know, uh, so uh, what I'm going to do today is I'm going to read an article from medium.com written by the one and only Barack Obama. Uh, This article came out on June 1st. I read it. I felt it was very moving. I felt it was very strongly um, uh, worded and and very inspiring. And so um, just to be clear, this was written by Barack Obama for medium.com. The article is called How to Make This Moment the Turning Point for Real Change. I am not taking credit for any of these words. What I'm doing is I am am, uh, reading it off word for word so that, um, you know, I can help share and spread this message that he wanted to to send out. Um, So I'm not, I I am not the writer of this. I did not create this. This is me using this very small platform that I have. Uh, with whoever happens to listen to it. If you don't have a chance to read it, at least you can maybe hear it. Um, But I highly encourage everyone to read this. Again, it's uh, Barack Obama. The article is How to Make This Moment, The Turning Point for Real Change. Uh, And it was on medium.com on June 1st. As millions of people across the country take to the streets and raise their voices in response to the killing of George Floyd and the ongoing problem of unequal justice, many people have reached out asking how we can sustain momentum to bring about real change. Ultimately, it's going to be up to a new generation of activists to shape strategies that best fit the times. But I believe there are some basic lessons to draw from past efforts that are worth remembering. First, the waves of protests across the country represent a genuine and legitimate frustration over a decades-long failure to reform police practices and the broader criminal justice system in the United States. The overwhelming majority of participants have been peaceful, courageous, responsible, and inspiring. They deserve our respect and support, not condemnation, something that police in cities like Camden and Flint have commendably understood. On the other hand, the small minority of folks who've resorted to violence in various forms, whether out of genuine anger or mere opportunism, are putting innocent people at risk, compounding the destruction of neighborhoods that are often already short on services and investment and detracting from the larger cause. I saw an elderly black woman being interviewed today in tears because the only grocery store in her neighborhood had been trashed. 
If history is any guide, that store may take years to come back. So let's not excuse violence or rationalize it or participate in it. If we want our criminal justice system and American society at large to operate on a higher ethical code, then we have to model that code ourselves. Second, I've heard some suggest that the recurrent problem of racial bias in our criminal justice system proves that only protests and direct action can bring about change, and that voting and participation in electoral politics is a waste of time. I couldn't disagree more. The point of protest is to raise public awareness, to put a spotlight on injustice, and to make the powers that be uncomfortable. In fact, throughout American history, it's often only been in response to protests and civil disobedience that the political system has even paid attention to marginalized communities. But eventually, aspirations have to be translated into specific laws and institutional practices. And in a democracy, that only happens when we elect government officials who are responsive to our demands. Moreover, It's important for us to understand which levels of government have the biggest impact on our criminal justice system and police practices. When we think about politics, a lot of us focus only on the presidency and the federal government. And yes, we should be fighting to make sure that we have a president, a Congress, a U.S. Justice Department, and a federal judiciary system that actually recognize the ongoing corrosive role that racism plays in our society and want to do something about it. But the elected officials who matter most in reforming police departments and the criminal justice system work at the state and local levels. It's mayors and county executives that appoint most police chiefs and negotiate collective bargaining agreements with police unions. It's district attorneys and state attorneys that decide whether or not to investigate and ultimately charge those involved in police misconduct. Those are all elected positions. In some places, Police review boards with the power to monitor police conduct are elected as well. Unfortunately, voter turnout in these local races is usually pitifully low, especially among young people, which makes no sense given the direct impact these offices have on social justice issues, not to mention the fact that who wins and who loses those seats is often determined by just a few thousand or even a few hundred votes. So, the bottom line is this. If we want to bring about real change, then the choice isn't between protest and politics. We have to do both. We have to mobilize to raise awareness, and we have to organize and cast our ballots to make sure that we elect candidates who will act on reform. Finally, the more specific we can make demands for criminal justice and police reform, the harder it will be for elected officials to just offer lip service to the cause and then fall back into business as usual once protests have gone away. The content of that reform agenda will be different for various communities. A big city may need one set of reforms, a rural community may need another. Some agencies will require wholesale rehabilitation, and others should make minor improvements. Every law enforcement agency should have clear policies, including an independent body that conducts investigations of alleged misconduct. 
tailoring reforms for each community will require local activists and organizations to do their research and educate fellow citizens in their community on what strategies work best. But as a starting point, here's a report and toolkit developed by the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights and based on the work of the Task Force on 21st Century Policing that I formed when I was in the White House. And if you're interested in taking concrete action, we've also created a dedicated site at the Obama Foundation to aggregate and direct you to useful resources and organizations who've been fighting the good fight at the local and national levels for years. I recognize that these past few months have been hard and dispiriting, that the fear, sorrow, uncertainty, and hardship of a pandemic have been compounded by tragic reminders that prejudice and inequality still shape so much of American life. But watching the heightened activism of young people in recent weeks, of every race and every station, makes me hopeful. If, going forward, we can channel our justifiable anger into peaceful, sustained, and effective action, then this moment can be a real turning point in our nation's long journey to live up to our highest ideals. Let's get to work. Again, these were words from Barack Obama for Medium.com. The article is called How to Make This Moment the Turning Point for Real Change. I highly encourage everyone to read it. couple times at least. And in the article, it's great. Uh, There's a couple hyperlinks included. Um, One of them being uh, the toolkit developed by the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights um, that that he mentioned. And so what I would like to do in ending this episode, um, uh, because what I want to do is is break, this toolkit is like really hefty. It's about 153 pages. I'm going to be breaking this down chapter by chapter over the next few episodes um, because I feel like it's an important read. And again, if you don't have time to read it, then maybe you have time to at least listen to it. So allow me to do the reading for you if you're unable to. Um, I'm going to be reading this word for word. I'm not going to break down the whole thing right now. What I'm going to do is uh, split this up into a few chapters. And so this is just going to be the introduction. So this is the introduction for the new era of public safety, an advocacy toolkit for fair, safe, and effective community policing. The new era of public safety, an advocacy toolkit for fair, safe, and effective community policing is an initiative of the policing campaign at the Leadership Conference Education Fund the education and research arm of the Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights and was supported by the Google Foundation. The Leadership Conference on Civil and Human Rights is a coalition charged by its diverse membership of more than 200 national organizations to promote and protect the civil and human rights of all persons in the United States. Through advocacy and outreach to targeted constituencies, the Leadership Conference works towards the goal of a more open and just society, an America as good as its ideals. The Leadership Conference is a 501c4 organization that engages in legislative advocacy. It was founded in 1950 and has coordinated national lobbying efforts on behalf of every major civil rights law since 1957. The Leadership Education Fund is a 501c3 organization that builds public will for laws and policies that promote and protect civil and human rights of every person in the United States. 
The issues the Education Fund works on have deep roots in its organizational history and across the communities it represents. Access the toolkit online at https policing.civilrights.org toolkit. And the Best Practices Report, New Era of Public Safety, A Guide to Fair, Safe, and Effective Community Policing at https policing.civilrights.org report. That was just uh, the, the, the landing page for this. Uh, I'm going to read the introduction. Uh, and I'm going to include the links uh, in, in, the, in the episode description, so if you would like to uh, read it for yourself, you are welcome to do so. All right, so this is the New Era of Public Safety introduction. Police officers across the country are involved in our everyday lives. They patrol our streets, our sidewalks, and our public spaces, and they are often first on the scene when crime breaks out and when disaster strikes. They support people in crisis, and they respond to national crises. They are, and have been for nearly two centuries, our nation's first responders. And yet, our country's approach to public safety, and whom it protects and serves, whether real or perceived, has undermined community trust. This has long been so. From early slave patrols, to harassment and unlawful surveillance of civil rights activists, to criminalization of people of color. This history is alive today, borne out in disparities in policing practices, from stops and searches to arrests and use of force. From Ferguson, Baltimore, and Sacramento, to Watts, Detroit, and Los Angeles, to Chicago, Newark, and Selma. The places and the times are different, but the impact of the tragedies are the same. In recent years, outrage over harassment and deaths of people of color, black people specifically, at the hands of police officers has ignited the movement for black lives and inspired national debate around systemic racial profiling and police violence. It has prompted collective calls to hashtag say her name and to recognize the unique experiences of black women, transgender people, and gender nonconforming people, people with disabilities, people who have experienced sexual violence or misconduct by police, and people who have been killed by police or died in police custody. Local, state, and national organizations have long worked to reform policing and strengthen accountability and are now redoubling their efforts to reimagine public safety and create a stronger, safer country for us all. We support and join this effort. Our entire country, and its many diverse communities, police officers included, will benefit if we succeed. To make this vision a reality, we need a common language so we can work together to promote public safety while protecting civil rights. We need to work at the national, state, and local levels in our communities to realize a shared vision of public safety that respects and protects human life and lifts up those most affected by harmful police policies and practices. And we need innovative ideas from all perspectives in our diverse society to rethink public safety and renew community trust. We can overcome the challenges facing us, and this toolkit shows us how. Individuals and communities have the power to shape policing and change our approach to public safety by organizing, harnessing data, and leveraging determination on all sides to improve our justice system.
we have the power to make change. We all have a role to play in ensuring that policing practices respect and protect civil and human rights. We must hold our leaders accountable to the communities they swear to serve and protect, reorienting the way we think about public safety and the roles of communities and police departments in promoting it takes time, effort, and a shared understanding. Each of us has the power, individually and collectively, to affect change through grassroots organizing, policy advocacy, and civic engagement. Public Opinion, Organizing, and Advocacy By shaping public opinion through organizing and advocacy, you can influence lawmakers and law enforcement officials to change the way policing happens in your community. Service Calls and Complaints Through service calls and complaints, you can shape police priorities and document violations of rights and policies. Voting By voting, you can ensure that elected officials share your vision of public safety and are willing to take action to change policing. Advocacy and Community Oversight Through advocacy and participation in community oversight, you can help hold departments accountable for individual and systemic problems and shape policy to prevent future violations. Community members shape policing and public safety every day by making calls for service, attending community board and precinct council meetings, filing complaints, meeting with legislators and policymakers, serving on police advisory committees and civilian oversight boards, testifying at public hearings, advocating for changes to police policies and laws, monitoring police department budgets, speaking out in the media and at protests, and voting for political candidates who share their views on public safety and policing. With more than 18,000 law enforcement agencies across the United States, ranging in size from 1 to nearly 40,000 officers and spanning urban, suburban, and rural areas, there is no one-size-fits-all solution to police reform. Yet, there are universal guiding principles that should inform how police departments ensure public safety and build community trust through policies and practices that deliver fairness, equity, procedural justice, transparency, and accountability. There are many ways to achieve social change. This toolkit is intended to help activists, organizations, and communities identify and act on solutions to change policing for the better in their own communities. It contains information and resources about the following. Key policing statistics, major policing challenges and how to advocate for change, police department structures, targets, pressure points, and opportunities for action, how to find out about your department's policies and practices, how to develop strategies for change, and how to organize strategic police reform campaigns that advance alternative visions of public safety. Whether you are one person concerned about a specific incident, a group of people who want to form a campaign in response to a pattern of policing in your community, or an organization looking for specific information, fresh perspectives, or different strategies, this toolkit has something for you. It is designed so you can easily find the issue you are concerned about and quickly access best practices, talking points, and strategies for overcoming opposition. It also offers guidance on how to pressure police departments to update their policies and how to organize a campaign to make the change you want.
How can I change policing practices? Start a conversation. Talk to family members, friends, and neighbors about policing and safety in your community. What does public safety look like? What needs to change? How can it be changed? Get involved. Attend a public forum on policing, a community board meeting, a precinct meeting, a public meeting of your local police commission or oversight agency, or go on a ride-along with a police officer. Find out what people are talking about and determine what changes you want to see. Access more information. Find out about your department's policies and accountability structures. What data are available about stops, searches, arrests, use of force, and other issues. You can also research organizations in your local community that are already working on civil rights and policing reform. Speak out. Tell your story and share your opinion. Write a letter to the editor or an op-ed in your local newspaper, or testify at a public forum to share your views about policing and safety in your community. Join the conversation online through social media and support online campaigns for increased police accountability. Organize. Join an existing organization, coalition, or campaign, or start a new one. So that's the introduction um, for the uh, new era of public safety, an advocacy toolkit for fair, safe, and effective community policing. Uh, the next few episodes, I'm going to be breaking this down chapter by chapter, reading it word for word, because again, I feel like this is something that is very important that everyone should be reading. And if you do not have the time to read it, hopefully you have the time to listen to it. So allow me to do the reading for you and uh allow me to transmit the information to your ears, um, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so that's pretty much it for today. You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's a very bizarre time and it can be very, very difficult to find the love, caring, and compassion for yourself and for other people around you. It can be very difficult to find patience within yourself and with others in the world around us. Yet, we have to. We have to find a way to keep pushing forward, keep fighting the good fight, and to remain compassionate. Because if there's no compassion, then what is it that we're really fighting for? That isn't to say that we should excuse people for their behaviors or their actions, but we need to be compassionate. And I do believe that a vast majority of the people out there are compassionate beings. But just because you're compassionate doesn't mean that you're not allowed to get angry. Everyone should be angry. It doesn't matter your racial heritage, your economic class, where you come from, where you're going, how you identify. Everyone should be angry right now, and rightfully so. And as Barack Obama said in the article I read earlier, we need to do both. We need to mobilize and speak up. And we need to vote and participate at the local levels in our government if we really want to see change. So I, I, I struggle oftentimes with how I can best help in these situations. You know, um, I'm not black and I'm not white. I'm uh, a, a weird mixture in the middle. I shouldn't say weird. It's not weird. Uh, you know, so it, it, again, not making it about myself. But it can, it can be hard to know what, what the best way, uh, wh how I can best, you know, contribute and, and be a positive ally in this. Um, 
this is just one small way, you know, and uh, by by reading this information to you, uh, it also allows me to read it for myself as well. Um, so this is just one small thing. Uh, there are also uh, numerous organizations to which we sh- uh, should consider donating. Uh, I will include links uh, to ones that I can find um, in episode descriptions. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much it for today. Um, you know, I... I, I I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. None of us do. But what's clear is, you know, with with this, because because this the the this movement, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement and this push for racial justice and equity, this isn't new. This has been going on forever. You know. It just, it, it comes in waves or, or, or it doesn't come in waves. The publicly and in media, it gets mentioned in waves, but it never disappears. It's always there. It's always been there. And it is beyond time that we finally make change and, 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 and find a different way forward because um, we're in a new world and we're in a new era. And so it's up to us to get to work and to make it something positive and productive for everybody. So I've said a lot of important things today for once. (laughs) Um, And above all, in my very, very brief experience in this world and in this realm, I've learned that uh, there are two things that matter most in being said out loud to anybody. And those are the words, thank you. And I love you. So to everyone out there listening and to everyone out there who isn't listening, I want to say thank you and I love you.